Good morning, friends, friends who are with us online at home in your flannel PJs, friends who are here in the room. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church this fine, frisky Sunday morning. I'm Fitz Connor, one of the pastors here, and I just can't tell you how excited I am to be with you on our mission. Our mission, by the way, is about real relationships that become real transformation. What we mean by that is this, we connect deeply with Jesus Christ and with each other. And from that, God goes to work on us and we become transformed human beings. You might be very much early in the discovery phase of this or you might have been digging for decades. Either way, we're excited about our mission and I invite you to join us on that mission for the other 167 hours of this week that's coming up. But at least also right now, I hope for this one hour, you can sense God at work on you as you connect and you do it intentionally. We're here on purpose building real relationships that become transformational in our lives. I want to remind you that you can connect with us if you're new to us. You can go to our website and fill out the online connect card digitally. Or right now you can snap this QR code. Let us know who you are. And what we mean by connect is this. We'll say hello. We'll find out if there's some way you can get further involved. Maybe with people, one-on-one, coffee, a group, some service opportunity. And we will follow up with you to make sure you know that somebody got it. The other thing I want to remind you to do is this. Right now, with your phone or with your device, share what we're doing on Facebook. It's another way that we can widen our footprint, helping other people connect, helping other people experience real relationships and real transformation. What a pleasure it is to be able to do this together. Allow me now to pray for all of us. Gracious God, we come into this room and we want to be people who are relationship experts, specialists. It's where we live in our families or in our neighborhood, just the people next door across the street. It's in our jobs. Gracious God, it's with our friends, the people we recreate with, socialize with. There's somebody in that group, gracious God, that you want us to love really well because we're good at it. We're good at relationships. And we know, gracious God, we all change when you get a chance to go to work on us in authentic, real, caring, loving relationships. And so give us one right now that we're gonna be intentional about in the days and hours ahead. Gracious God, when we're in this room together, we find our hearts softening and people who are in deep need come to mind. And there are people we've been praying for a long time and people who are new on the list. We pray first and always for Jackie, these ribbons on the rail here next to me, reminding us of being her favorite colors. Be with her family, be with Jackie, give her a sense of encouragement. Gracious God, we pray for Mike Sweeney's dad. Mike is here in the room right now, who's recovering from an aneurysm. We pray, pray for our brother, Doug Tuttle, who had two back surgeries last week, and he's doing great. And gracious God, as he recovers and heals quickly and thoroughly from those procedures and now experiences a new life because the problems are gone. And we pray for our brother, Jim Canale, who also is recovering from cancer surgery. Gracious God, we think about the people suffering genuine, real hardship from the ice storms in Texas, people we know conversations many of us have had with people we know and people we don't know and our hearts break for them and reach out to them in some way maybe we can help we pray for two friends of the mcdonald family dan mcdonald's friends who both are in covid and both on respirator ventilators we pray for them gracious god and finally by name we mentioned joanne harvey who has been dealing with heart issues as well as coming out of the rear end of a covid experience gracious god she's just a beautiful daughter of yours and we pray that she would heal and all the medications would be figured out and her heart would settle and be working in the right way 
we pause now also, gracious God, there's somebody on our mind, in our sphere of relationships, that you want us right now to lean into, to think about, to present to you. Gracious God, we want to be absolutely, transparently, vulnerably honest with you about who we are, and we want that to be the way we relate as brothers and sisters in this family of faith and in our city, in our community, in our neighborhood. Thank you that in this room and in our homes, we become transformed people because we've surrendered to your presence. All this, the singing, the praying, scripture, thinking out loud about it, all of this in the name of Jesus, our leader, our Messiah, our rescuer. Amen. Good morning, first friends. Let's give praise and give God a praise. Let's sing.
want to equip parents of teenagers as you navigate the critical life issues that your sons and daughters are dealing with in middle school and high school. Bryce Lynn, our Director of Student Ministry, is offering a course called Adolescence, Sexuality, and Parenting that will be presented on a Zoom platform this Tuesday evening, February 23rd at 7 p.m. Once you RSVP to Bryce using the email that you see on the slide in front of you, then he will send you the Zoom link and all the materials that you will need for that evening. A lot of people are already signing up. You don't want to miss this. This is the first Sunday in Lent, which means that we are beginning our journey with Jesus to the cross and to his resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. Lent is this special time that gives us the opportunity to grow closer to God by practicing living, thinking, and loving the way that Jesus did. So we created a Lenten guide to help you do that. And you can access that guide on our website or get a hard copy as you leave worship this morning. It includes weekly suggestions about things to fast from. This week, we're inviting all of you to join us in fasting from complaining. Fasting from complaining and fasting from anything helps us to let go of the things that we just grasp so tightly in order to take hold of the one that we need the most, Jesus right? In Proverbs eleven twenty five, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Well, I witnessed this kind of refreshing generosity last Sunday when one of our First Prez outreach team members grabbed her laptop in order to bring this worship service into the home of one of our senior members who is 101 years old, lives alone, deeply misses being in worship with all of us, and struggles to navigate all the technology required to jump online in order to worship. This enabled her to be with us last Sunday morning. And apparently she closed her eyes, smiled, hummed along with the music, and loved every minute of it. God is right. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You and I have the opportunity to refresh lives when we give back to God. So here are five ways that you can give in order to refresh another life. Amen. It's so easy for us to go and get and put our faith in things of this world. It's so easy for us to put our faith in our, in our job, 
in our financial status. And it's easy for us to put our faith into ourselves and our own abilities. It's also easy for us to put our faith into people. But I don't know about you, but every single one of those things have failed me. But God, when we read his word, his character, and his history, he's never failed. His promises have always come true. And we have this new song this morning that reminds us that God is faithful through the ages and that we should remain faithful to him because he is our anchor. He holds us through the storm, through the wind. And he's, he's worthy of it and his, his character remains true. So let's stand as we sing this new song together. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven that you do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Grace is your faithfulness to me. Yeah. Seasons change, you remain the same. Though the earth may pass away, the world remains the same. Yeah, history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word. Oh, 
Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I am on the staff and the session here at First Pres. I am the worship and media coordinator at First Pres, but I've actually been on staff since 2008 when I was the summer intern. And then in 2009, I was hired as the first full-time student ministries director. Back then, we called that role the youth director, but from 2009 to 2014, I had the great joy of loving teenagers to Jesus and for Jesus. They really were some of the greatest five years of my life. I got to do it with my number one volunteer leader, my husband, Matt. And we had the privilege of God bringing hundreds of teenagers into our lives. And those students still and are my friends. I referred to them as my guys and my girls. And even to this day, I still call them that, some as old as 27. But the highlight every year was always the mission trip. Whether it was over spring break or during the summer, we would take a mission trip to somewhere. Sometimes we would do relational ministry work. We worked in rec centers for adults with special needs. Sometimes we would go to areas that had been through a natural disaster. And one such year, we went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It was 2012, it was spring break, and months before, tornadoes had ripped through the city. I'm sure you remember, it was a devastating time. And so with boots and gloves and hearts to serve, our team boarded a plane from Tampa to Birmingham and then loaded up in four giant vans and drove to Tuscaloosa. There were 55 of us on that trip, and I'm going to have a picture come up on the screen of our group. Uh, for those of you in the sanctuary, you can see it here. For those of you worshiping online, you'll see it as well. Some of the people on this trip are in this room right now. Some of them are also in the room by being online with us. I can't not just be filled with joy when I look at that picture. The phrase YOLO had just been introduced, so you can see some YOLOs being thrown up in the sign, I mean in the picture. Uh, it was an awesome crew. You can take the picture down, thank you. One of my favorite parts of this trip, though, happened late one night. I'm trying to round up 50 teenagers to get them into bed, and two of my guys, Ryan and Sam, come up to me and say, 
there's been a situation. No youth director at 11 p.m. on a mission trip wants to hear from two teenage boys that there's been a situation. So I say, okay. And y'all get this, Ryan asks me to sit down. So I say, okay, and sit down I do. Mind you, Sam is silent the whole time. Ryan then proceeds to tell me through a series of unknown events, the ping pong table has broken. Well, y'all, I felt relief. I'm like, broken ping pong table, this I can handle. So Ryan and Sam lead me into the game room, and sure enough, there is a chunk of the corner of the ping pong table just hanging off. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that silent Sam over here had sat on the edge of the ping pong table. I say, you know what, guys, it's not a big deal. We're staying in a downtown church. I should have said this. We're staying in a downtown church in Tuscaloosa in their youth area. So we probably need to replace their ping pong table. So I say, you know what, let's just see. We're going to Google the make and model. We're going to see how much it costs. We'll replace it for them. No, no, no. First Methodist Tuscaloosa has the top of the line ping pong table coming in at $500. Sam and Ryan's eyes are like this. I say, you know what, guys, let's just go to bed. We're going to figure this out in the morning. So as I go to bed, I'm thinking, okay. I come back to Tampa, and I say, hey, First Prize, can we pay for a $500 ping pong table? Or I make Ryan and Sam pay for it. Really, Sam, Ryan was just the spokesperson. But the next morning, I knew exactly what to do. We had our whole team together. We were eating breakfast. Everybody was doing their devotionals. And there was a lot of whispering going on about what had happened the night before. So I gather everyone together, and I say, taking my cue from Ryan, there's been a situation. Through a series of unknown events, the ping pong table has broken. But it costs $500. But you know what? There's 50 of us, and if each one of you would chip in $10, we could pay for this thing. Y'all, with zero complaining and with zero grumbling, I watched 50 teenagers walk out of the room and then come back in. And as they extended their gift of grace, their $10 bill, it looked like this. They each had on a teal wristband, the very wristband I'm wearing. I've still got it 10 years later. On this side, it says Philippians 2.15. And on this side, it says shine like stars. You see, the previous year, the previous mission trip, had also been a great one. But there had been a lot of complaining on that trip. Instead of a group of people who brought the light to the room, we looked like a group of people who sucked the light out of the room. We hadn't done the hard work of preparing our hearts for a mission trip that year. So everything was different a year later we decided let's take the time to do the hard heart work so that when the rubs come, we will shine like stars. So we dove into the book of Philippians, the book we've been doing here at church. And the very passage that we dove into is the passage that we're going to take a look at in just a little while. I'm going to actually have um, you pull it up for me, India. I'm going to read it for us. It's Philippians 2, chapter 12 through 18, verses 12 through 18. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. So we wore the wristbands, and when the rub came, I saw a group of 55 people shine like stars. We are in the book of Philippians here at First Pres for the third Sunday in a row. We've been diving into this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. You see, previously, Paul had been imprisoned in Macedonia, and he had had interactions with three people who founded the church of Philippi. There was a wealthy woman named Lydia, there was a slave girl, and then there was a jailer. Pretty unlikely crew to find a church, but, and that just so God, God always takes the unlikely in the eyes of the world, and he uses that to start a movement. And so with Paul as their leader, this group of three turned into the church of Philippi. Well, we find Paul in prison yet again, and his friends, the Church of Philippi, is sending him money to support him while he's there. And so this is Paul's letter back to them. The book of Philippians is Paul's letter. It's like a big thank you note, except it's much more than a thank you note because it's filled with encouragement, and it's filled with joy, and it's filled with hope. You see, if you saw earlier the bumper video, and if you saw our title, Real Contentment, it's in a jail because that's where Paul is writing this letter. We wanted to kind of get our heads around that, seeing those images of jail scenes in the bumper video. The first thought that comes to my mind, being in jail, it's not real contentment. But the Apostle Paul was so secure in his God, he was so sure of his foundation, so sure of his mission, that even from behind bars, he could say that he was content. Paul had found the secret that so many of us spend our entire lives searching for. In fact, our key verse for this series in Philippians says just that. It's found in chapter 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. How did Paul do it? How did he find the secret of contentment? We're going to dive into that some more this morning. And aside from looking at our passage through the eyes of a broken ping pong table, I've got some more alliteration for us. We're going to look at it through promise, through power, and through purpose. Promise, power, and purpose. With these words in mind, I want us to look back at verses 13 and 15. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. The people in Philippi, you know, did you know that the church in Philippi was the first church on the European continent? 
that's a pretty proud bragging rights thing. We're the first church on the European continent. And they were made up of Gentiles, that is non-Jews. But Paul, our writer, he was Jewish. He grew up learning under one of the most honored rabbi in the first century. He was well-educated, well-respected. He had a top-notch resume, and he knew his Old Testament. So I am struck by Paul's reference to stars. In my mind, I can't help but go to one of the first promises made in all of Scripture in Genesis. You see, all of Scripture is connected. It's like one big thread. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, there is one solid thread throughout the Bible, and it's in the person of Jesus. I've got a, I don't know if you can see, but I've got a little knot right here. That's our book in Philippians. But all of Scripture— so this morning, we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture for us, because it's all connected. All of Jewish history traces back to a promise. A promise made from God to a man named Abraham. Remember the song we sang, Promises? Do you remember how it started? God of Abraham, he's a God of covenant and faithful promises. So good, I've been singing that song all week long. So Abraham, who is found in the book of Genesis, Abraham and his wife Sarah are, as the Bible so tenderly says, well along in years. Abraham and Sarah were old, and they didn't have any children. And you hear Abraham wrestling out loud in the pages of Genesis, and he says, who am I going to leave my estate to? I don't have any children. What of my inheritance? What will happen? And so God makes a promise to Abraham, a promise so full of hope and so intimate to his heart, so like God. I want us to take a look at the promise. It's found in Genesis chapter 17. So God is speaking to Abraham. I will establish my covenant, my promise, as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. God doesn't just promise Abraham a son. God promises Abraham descendants, generations, plural. And then in Genesis chapter 15, are you ready for it? Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said, Look up unto the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. From a promise between God and Abraham came the entire Jewish nation. And from generation after generation and father to son, the promise was fulfilled when a baby named Jesus was born. And we who are followers of Jesus, we are like stars in the sky. Galatians 3.29 says it this way. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're heirs of the promise. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Abraham, that's how many descendants you will have. God is so good and he's so faithful. Remember the thread? From Genesis to Revelation, God is a promise maker, 
And God is a promise keeper. That is what we find out. He promises to be our God and we will be his people. And this is made possible because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can be the people of God and God promises to be our God. And why is this promise so important? Because if God keeps this promise, which he has, then it shows God's character. He is a promise keeper. So every promise made from Genesis to Revelation, we can count on him to come through on it. Now, we don't have time this morning to go over every single promise that is made in the Bible, but I invite you, if you're not in the habit of opening up your Bible, oh, y'all, I, I couldn't be who I am if I didn't spend every day in the pages of Scripture because it fills my soul. It's, my, it's like water to me. And so if you're not in that place, I invite you because God has promises plural for you. But this morning we're going to look at one promise in our passage in Philippians. Philippians um, chapter 2 verse 13, right in the middle of our passage. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. What does that mean? God is working in you. You see, in the Christian faith, we talk about God as three in one. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. And this passage is telling us that those who follow Jesus, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we are given power to live out our lives. You see, when God is at work within us, we can do everything without complaining and grumbling. When God is at work within us, we can live clean, innocent, pure lives. We can be people of integrity. When God is at work within us, we stand out and we look different. In staff meeting this week, one person said, it's really hard to do things without complaining. And she's right. It is really hard to do things without complaining. So I hope it's not lost on you that for Lent this week, we are fasting from complaining. I actually was talking about this with my seven-year-old son and a group of his friends, and they already know at seven what complaining is. They're like, yeah, when you complain about mama's cooking, mm, that's not good. They already know. I said, so what happens when you complain? And these seven-year-olds said, it's bad. People get mad and then very, very sad. And they're right. That's what happens when we complain. We are light suckers instead of light givers. But you see, God promises to transform us and to make us to shine like stars. Why? Because when we shine like stars, we point to our light source. We point to our life source. To a world who is so broken and polarized and in need of hope, we become these hope bearers, these light bringers. God uses us. And the way that he uses us is through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living inside of every follower of Jesus. And I'm not talking about some rinky-dink power. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Claim that promise. It's life-shattering. And maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this before. 
Maybe you thought you had to try harder, work harder, and do better. I hope this is the best news you've ever heard. Or maybe you already are a follower of Jesus, but when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, whew, here we go, another day, it's all up to me. Maybe that's what runs through your head. Maybe you think that you've got to make things happen and that everything's riding on your shoulders and oh, oh, it gets so heavy. But if you give your life to Jesus, he promises to give you power, to bring you to a place of abundance, joy, peace, real contentment. I can testify. I live in a rhythm of relationship with Jesus. I've been at it for a long time. I'm not perfect, but I can stand up here and say with authenticity that when I put my feet in the ground in the morning, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, let's go. What do you want me to do today? Where are you going to take me? Who do you want me to talk to? How can I be available for you? He wants to be our life source because he's got big things for us. You see, remember our three P words? He's a God of promises, who promises to give us power so that we can live out our purpose. Does your heart skip a beat when I say the word purpose? Don't we all want a life of significance and purpose? And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I just, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what God's plan for me is. I'm having a hard time navigating it. I want us to break it down today. I believe that our purpose is our calling plus our assignment. As followers of Jesus, we all have the same calling. It's to love God with everything we've got, and it's to love people with everything we've got. Simply put, love God, love people. But our assignment, now that's different for each person. You already know, even if you don't know me, you've kind of gotten a glimpse of some of my assignments. God sent me on assignment to be a wife. He sent me on assignment to be a mom. He sent me on assignment to love teenagers in the city of Tampa. He sent me on assignment now in this new role. Our assignments can change. Textures can be added on. But our purpose is our calling plus our assignment. But there is this lie, this lie that you have to go out and figure out who you are, that you have to figure out what you're supposed to do. And we have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he wants you to find your identity, your purpose, and your contentment from the world. But anyone or anything who tells you what only God alone can tell you is a counterfeit. And so I pray that today would be the day that we stop buying the lies and we start buying into the rhythm of relationship with Jesus. That we would stand out and just look different because of him. We won't grump and complain as much. We'll be people of integrity. Paul wrapped up the passage like this, do you remember? On the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul says, and we say, I want to be about my heavenly father's business and his purposes. 
So today, maybe you just start by repeating the promises back to God. You claim them by saying them back. You say, God, I am tired of this hurried, rushed pace of living that I've been living. God, I'm tired of kind of just feeling like I'm going through the motions. But God, you promise to work within me, giving me the power and the desire to do what pleases you. And God, I'm going to ask you to come through on that promise. I'm going to ask you to help me to live out my purpose as a star. And then ask God about the life he has for you instead of the one you've been building for yourself. You know what I find really uh, tender and kind of gracious about that verse too? It's not just that God says he's going to give us the power, but he says he's going to give us the desire. There's just something about that that just, he sh it just shows his love for us, that it's not just this forceful thing. He gives us the desire to do what pleases him. He does the hard heart work. He gets us to a place where we want to give away $10 to be a part of a $500 plan. And that's just the thing. God has a $500 plan for us that he's inviting us to be a part of. You see, the Christian life is a team sport. We do it together. If you've been around First Pres, you'll have heard us say that. Following Jesus is a team sport. Like, as I look around this room, like, I see my teammates. Like, I played softball, I played volleyball, like, y'all are all here, right? We're all on the same team. I love thinking that. I love thinking that I'm not doing it alone, that I'm doing it together. And so, we want you to come back. We want you to join the team. Come back next Sunday. We're going to be in Philippians again. The verses that we're going to be covering next week, you'll find here on the screen. Those of you online, you'll find them. We're going to be talking about chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I invite you to read them between now and then. Read them out loud. Read them with a group of seven-year-olds. You'll learn something from them. And come back. We want you to discover the beauty and the goodness and the truth of God found in the pages of Scripture. And so my hope for us today is that we would remember that life is about a rhythm of relationship with Jesus. That it's not about building the life that I want, but that it all traces back to a promise made from God to Abraham that he promises to be our God and that we get to be his people. He's not this far off God, but he's near and he is relational and he wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people. And so friends, as heirs of the promise, with the power of the Holy Spirit, may we shine like stars and live out our purpose. Please pray with me this morning. God, you are a promise maker. You are a promise keeper. You promise us power. You promise to give us purpose. And Lord, I pray that today, anyone, Lord, who you stirred their heart, you stirred their heart to lean in to say, yes, that God, this is what I want. I want to be a person of purpose. God, I want to access the power that you promised me. Jesus, right now, 
I just pray that that person would just say yes to you. That's it. Yes, Jesus. That's the life I want to live, not the one I've been building for myself. God, I pray that each one of us would walk out of this room different than the way we came in. God, that you are on the move in this church and you are on the move in this city. God, thank you. Thank you for your big purposes that we get to be a part of. Thank you for inviting us into it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and to sing. Did you hear me? To stand and to sing. You've got your mask on. No one's going to hear you or see you because we're going to sing the song Promises. Let's claim the promises of God this morning. Thank you. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven to do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart burn when you speak a word and you come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness. Have a wonderful week.